0: Welcome to Broadway Bullet, Volume 411, for September 2nd, 2010. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and we're back from hiatus. Whew, it's felt like a bit of a break. Uh, It's good to be back, although it did give me a great chance to finally get started on my long, long long-delayed solo album, Uh, It's pop and rock, but there's definitely a lot of uh, theatrical influence there. I'll probably be previewing a little bit of it for you somewhere down the line. But in the meantime, after summer break means we're doing nymph coverage. Yes, all September we're going to be doing coverage of nymph shows. Basically, I'm going to keep putting out an episode as soon as we... uh, Fill up. So I'm, I'm not sure the frequency it's going to be, uh, but uh, it'll be probably more than two this month. <laughs> so we got a lot of great stuff. Some great stories in this episode. Um, we've got Travelin', which uh, features the music of J.C. Johnson, and great story behind that one. Uh, History of War is written by Chip Zian, uh, the original Baker, in uh, Into the Woods. And wow, it was such a pleasure to get to interview him along with the director for the show. Uh, that was one of my favorite performances ever. <laughs> when I saw in my inbox that he was who I, who I would be interviewing, it was quite exciting. Uh, we've also got Blood Ties, a fascinating pop rock musical, autobiographical. Some great live performances with that one, and we've got I Got Fired, a semi autobiographical sort of true revenge musical. Uh, we've got music from all the shows. A lot of fun. So uh, sit back and relax and enjoy the newest episode of Broadway Bullet. Oh yeah, and of course I got to tell you a little bit about Nymph. Nymph is going to be running this year from September 27th to October 17th. Three weeks, over 30 shows, lots of stuff going on. You can find out information about all the shows we're featuring in this episode at nymphnymf.org. Get your tickets now. These shows sell out fast. There's a lot of Big stuff going on. The attendance just goes up every year, and you don't want to miss the great next great nugget. So visit the site, get your tickets, check out everything that's going on. All right, let's launch the program. <laughs>
3: On the boards.
0: A deathbed wish from legendary 30s Harlem composer J.C. Johnson has led to the show Travelin' that will be uh, premiering at the New York Musical Theater Festival. Gary Holmes, protege of J.C. Johnson, has put together the show and he's here with us to talk about uh, the unique way he went about putting together the show. How are you doing, Gary? Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, I'm sure I simplified a lot of things down in a nutshell. I know there's a fascinating story behind Travelin. So, but before we get into the story, really quick, just in a, like elevator pitch, tell us what is Travelin, and then we'll go into more detail.
4: Travelin uh, is a story about three couples. It's a, a romantic uh, musical comedy that happens in Harlem in the 1930s. Three couples, uh, one in their 50s, one in their 30s, and one in their 20s, uh, doing three different avenues in and out of love. Ultimately, of course, it's a romantic musical comedy. It all ends up happily ever after, but there's a lot of uh, getting caught in the tree and a lot of rocks thrown at everybody (laughs) romantically (laughs) until the end.
0: Now, in a way, this is kind of a jukebox musical, although I won't quite call it that because I know the origin of Uh this show came out from a distinct desire to not be a jukebox. Not be a jukebox so, so why don't you tell us about J.C. Johnson and how Travel and All came to pass.
4: Okay, well, very briefly, J.C. Johnson was a, a composer who came to Harlem in the uh, 1920s and was very active through the 30s and 40s. He was a collaborator with Fats Waller and George Whiting and Andy um, no know- He's most known for The Joint is Jumpin', which he co-wrote f- with uh, Fats and Andy Razaf. Uh, but he also wrote many of the songs for Bessie Smith, Billie Holiday, Ethel Waters, um, uh, Ella Fitzgerald, and uh, had a lot of big band uh, people like Duke Ellington and Count Basie do, and Louis Armstrong did a lot of his songs, too. And J.C. was integral in the community of Harlem in the 30s, although he was a very shy and retiring man, so he always stayed in the background, and he's not as well-known as some of the others, like Fats. Mm So how did you meet him? How did? Well, I was 10 years old. I was uh, playing in the back of my uh, father's bank office. And my father called me out and said, uh, Gary, I have a gentleman you might like to meet. Because I had just started taking piano lessons. And I was fascinated with music. And he came back. Uh, I met Mr. Johnson, told him how excited I was about music and meeting him. He came back an hour later with a piece of his sheet music. Uh, He wrote a song called Believe It, Beloved, and he signed it uh, to Gary. If you learn the value of good American music, you should succeed. J.C. Johnson. And he gave it to me, and I still have it framed in my house. And from there on, I became his little buddy and would go over to his house on Saturday afternoons and uh, meet people, hear jazz people from, from uh, New York. One time, uh, Ubi Blake came up, and I got to sit on the piano with Ubi And uh, I, d- I didn't know who he was at the time because I was really little. And, uh, but I would go over to his house, and then I would also ask him to tell me stories about Harlem of the famous people and just what life was like in Harlem and uh, uh, among the other things he would tell me is that as much as he liked his songs in the reviews that were done in the 70s, he had songs in uh, Me and Bessie and, and, and Ain't Misbehaving." he really liked book musicals. He preferred shows that told a story. So uh, when he passed uh, and I was at the funeral, I asked his widow if I could create a show using Jay C's music, which she said, of course, yes, and I did have all of Jay's music in my collection, and I put all 500 songs out and said which ones could fit in a book musical, had a a story attached to them, and I came up with 40 of them, and while I was doing that, I was thinking of all the stories Jay told me of Harlem, and they all started turning into three different love stories using the songs, uh, and With characters inspired by the people he told me about. There's no historical representations. There's, for instance, a character named Billy in the show who is named after Billie Holiday because uh, Billie Holiday's first song, Actually Travelin' All Alone, that she sang at an an audition at uh, Pot and Jerry's was Travelin' All Alone. It was her first song that she sang. Uh, And Billy uses a uh, pseudonym of Ethel during the course of the show and of course that's ethel waters mm-hmm. and jc's first song that was ever recorded was an ethel waters song called uh, that he wrote called you can't do what my last man did which isn't in the score but mm-hmm. that's that well anyway um that's how the show that was the genesis of it so the three love stories inspired by jc's stories and using jc's songs that best fit into a dramatic context
0: Well, before we continue, why don't we take a listen to one of J.C.'s songs uh, that you're using in the show. Do you want to tell us about this
4: first one? Well, this one is called uh, Empty Bed Blues. It's one of J.C.'s most famous songs. It was sung originally by, uh, uh, he wrote it for uh, Billie Holiday. Uh, Not Billie Holiday, I'm sorry. It was written for Bessie Smith. And this is the Della Reese version, but in the score, this is how we meet the character of Billie. Uh, She's uh, kind of destitute and been left on the streets of Harlem to fend for herself. And she sings this song. All right, let's take a listen. Well,
2: I woke up this morning With an awful aching head Yes, I woke up this morning With an awful aching head I found my new man had left me Just a room empty bed. Well, he knew how to thrill me. He thrilled me night and day. I'm trying to tell you he knew how to thrill me. He thrilled I had never had before This new man he gave me a Sweet, sweet something I even told my girlfriend Lou Don't be a fool and go and spread the news Let me warn you if you got you some good loving Don't be a fool and go and spread the news Because your friend will double cross you And leave you just like me with a empty bad blue
0: some fantastic stuff for people who aren't familiar yet with his music. We're going to play another one in a minute but uh, before I get to there, so um, how long did the process take of you taking his songs and and, and turning in this music? Well,
4: actually it was quite quick to get the show together Uh, but I started in 1981 and I was also at the time uh, I I got my master's degree at at Tisch School of the Arts at the time but then uh, after that I I Things got in the way. Life got in the way and other writing projects. And I went on to become, uh, I actually became a lawyer, uh, once once again inspired by J.C. Johnson because I was figuring out what to do with myself. And uh, I, I went down to help his widow get the rights to his music. And I, I saw how horribly he and his fellow Harlem composers were... were uh, worked over by the publishers, financially and contract-wise, and I got so annoyed that I went, I I wrote to law school saying, I want to go to law school to learn copyright law so I can do something about this, which I did, and I've gotten all of JC's songs back to his widow now, so, um, and and for other people as well, but anyway, uh, back in 2005, I decided to start working on the show again, and I brought in uh, a, a fellow named Alan Shapiro, who had started as a creative com- uh, producer back in the 80s with me, but he also went on to do other things. And he came in as, uh, I asked him to come in as a co- co-author at this point. And we uh, spent a couple of years really tightening the script. And then we had it done in 2009 at the York Theater in their, uh, in their reading series. And then just this past May, again, in, as a second reading at their reading series. And now we're going to be at, at the New York Musical Theater Festival for a week, in October.
0: All right, so you've already had a few rounds of development to work out the kinks then as well, huh?
4: Yes, yep, 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 there were kinks, but uh, we think we've got it We think we've think got it down pretty nicely.
0: All right, well, let's take a listen now to the second song we got here. Do uh, you want to set this one up?
4: Okay, this song uh, is called "Traveling All Alone. He originally wrote it for Ethel Waters back in the 20s. Uh, this version is by Billy Eckstein, but in the song, in the show, this is used as a... Uh, George, actually, uh, it's a duet in the, in the in the show. This is just Billy Eckstein by himself. But it's uh, the two older people, uh, George and Billy, in the show, uh, explaining how lonely they feel not being in love and not having somebody to be with them. All right, let's take a listen.
1: I'm so weary and all alone Feet are tired like a heavy stone Traveling Traveling all alone. Who will see And who will care About this blow That I must bear Traveling, traveling
0: So traveling All Alone can be caught from October 11th through the 17th at Nymph. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And uh, people can get more information at nymph.org, of course. And uh, any parting shots you'd like to get out about nope. the show? No. Nope.
4: Well, says-
0: I must say, it's it's, it's, um, it's a fascinating story. Uh, it sounds like something fun to see. And Gary Holmes, I thank you so much for coming by. And I'm, I'm sure uh, J.C. Johnson and his widow also thank you for... Uh, Finally, bringing a book musical to his catalog. I'm glad to be able to do it, that's for sure. (laughs) All right, best of luck with the show. Thank you.
3: On the boards.
0: In a bid to be the most pretentious new musical at Nymph. (laughs) Yay! The History of War is getting its debut, and we have got book writer Chip Zion and director Nick Corley here to talk about their uh, musical for sophisticated depressed people.
5: (laughs) 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 Conversation. With a sense of humor. Sophisticated depressed people. With an enormous sense
0: of humor. Yes. Well, really quick for our listeners, could you maybe introduce yourselves so they can connect the voice with your name?
6: Sure. I'm Nick Corley. I'm Chip Sion. And here we are. And we're here with you, <laughs> Yes, enjoying ourselves. <laughs> All right. So... How do we look?
0: F- you look very good. Well, thank this you. This is Thanks radio. Too. Thank we God. Look yeah, we, we look good. We do look really
5: good. good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we look really good. Mm-hmm. So
0: tell us a little bit about the history of war.
5: Um... I'm right, my Chip. Turn. My Yes, turn. it's your yeah. turn, Chip. Well, I, well, we wanted to tackle, I wanted to tackle, like, uh, well, well. first of all, I've been in so many shows where, like, I've always told the writers that their you know, script needs fixing. Or I've, like, tried to rewrite my own lines. <laughs> so, uh, and they kept saying, you know what, Chip, just if you're, you know, you're so difficult, just go write your own show. So that was basically, I decided one day, I, I should probably write my own show and just, you know... Did you
0: tell Stephen Sondheim in any of his shows that uh, <laughs> the lyrics needed tweaking?
5: I did. <laughs> I did argue with him once about... Uh, he said, no. Uh, <laughs> I argued with him once about an, a verse that I thought I should sing ad libby, sort of like uh, loosey-goosey style. And he said, no. <laughs> 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 I was, well, the one time I crossed uh, with Steve. Uh, anyway... Um, so, so we, I, I, you know, I woke up one day and I said, you know, I've got to, I, I, it's, I'm getting on with uh, my life here and I, I should write something big and something really important. And uh, that's what I set out to do. I was a history major in college. I liked history. I wanted to do something where I could read a lot. And um, I was interested in why people are always fighting. And so um, I decided to write a musical about war. And actually, there was a friend of mine who's a TV writer in California. She said, oh, that's a really good idea. She said, uh, so the musical is what? Uh, uh, peace is good, war is bad. Curtain. Is that the whole And I said, no, it's well... <laughs> Uh, we're going to try to make it better than that. So that, so that was. The, there would be some husbands that would be like appreciative yeah. of that musical. <laughs> yeah. So the, gen, <laughs> that, the genesis, the genesis. Let's yeah, go eat. Uh, uh, the idea was basically came out of my uh, frustration that I hadn't accomplished. I, uh, you know, I hadn't written a major thing ever in my life, and I wanted to try to do it.
0: So, what have some of the
6: challenges been involved getting underway and and actually? Well, it's what's what's challenging, challenging <laughs> partly is it's such a a huge expansive. Uh, brilliant thing that Chip has written. There's a there's different time periods going on at the same time. I don't want
5: to give too much away, but there's a lot going on in the mind of Chip. We're spinning through the psychedelic imagination of a maladjusted twelve year old.
6: Yeah. So the whole show is filtered <laughs> through this twelve year old grappling with war and how and his manhood and manhood and, and, and his
5: rites of passage and, and his feelings about his parents and, and, his, and his, his mother and his stepfather disappointment and with his parents and his aggressive tendencies and stuff like that. And there, there was actually on, on MSNBC.com, there was a thing that talked... There was a big thing one day that I saw about how all males have a warrior gene. And uh, except, I guess, for those of us who do musical comedy.
1: <laughs> we work <laughs> no, it out through musical no, comedy.
5: No, uh, but... And, and so, um, so, you know, so I wanted to figure out why... So some... You know, what is that? I mean, what? So how do people... Become warriors and even tyrants. So we have a bunch of tyrants in the show.
6: And also, you're, I didn't realize that you were a history major because yeah. there's so much of your love of history through these characters and stuff. I mean, we're his this boy's mind is populated by every horrible person you can think of through time. So we've right. got everyone from Caesar to Hitler to Genghis Khan right. to Idi Amin also, to yeah, yeah it yeah, goes on and on. Right, so we,
5: yeah, we just we have major Genghis Khan. Do we say that? Did you yes, just say that? We can
6: say mm-hmm. Genghis Khan again. Let's just say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: is this 12-year-old cast by a very, very youthful-looking 24-year-old? No, God,
6: <laughs> no, no, no. We have a terrific kid. And, uh, His name is Michael Daddario and yeah. he was on Broadway in All My Sons and Coast of Utopia. And he's right at that age where oh, man, he's, he's turning from a boy to a man, too. So it's kind of a Perfect moment in his life to be doing this. He totally gets it. Yeah. Is he gonna
0: terrific. get the voice change right when performances we're, start. We're hoping
5: it holds out for another two months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> October 17th, to... <laughs> it could
6: change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
5: I mean, but but he's terrific. At if we, you know, he has, um, uh, you know, there's been a little discussion about the length of his hair, which at the yeah. moment is, you know, essentially down. He's to his, also at a rock band. He's in a rock band. His hair is like down to his knees, and and you know, we it's it you know, I I, I kind of like it, but. The problem is when he turns sideways, you, you kind of can't see him, so you know, his hair covers his <laughs> yes. face, so it's a, it's a big issue. But he's really good, and he's really self-possessed, and uh, we're really excited to yeah. have him. He's the core of our show, and, uh, you know, right at the core of our show, and he's, he's, he's great. We're thrilled. Yeah. yeah. He's terrific. Well, I know we got a couple,
0: uh, you know, song snippets from some of the demos from the show. Do you want to set up this first one we're going to play here? Yeah.
6: Opening uh, number. Let's opening numbers, opening uh, number is uh, Let's Start a Little War. And it's kind yeah. of in through the number we start with, um, well, on the demo you hear all the warriors. But now it's kind of Manfred starting the number. So when it starts, imagine a little boy singing the first part. And then through the course of the number we go from reality into his mind, and the warriors kind of take stage as you uh, Appear. Appear on yes, stage. As you will. All right, yeah. let's take a listen. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye. 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 are crude, but they're polished. Stand in my way, you're demolished. Cease his assist, and I coexist
7: when keeping peace is aboard. Show me your worst, we'll see who blinks first.
0: So, uh, who is the composer lyricist
5: for the show? Uh, the team is great. Deborah Abramson uh, wrote the music, and Amanda Yestonwitz did the lyrics. And uh, that, Deborah, and I've known Deborah for a really long time. Uh, we worked together on a show. I mean, another way in which this came together was that we were working on a show at the Barrington stage, and uh, it was a complicated experience. And. Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, a it was a Denny show. <laughs> it was a it was a uh, review of all of Deborah's music with various uh, uh, lyricists, and uh, it was great, great stuff. And um, it was after that that I approached Deborah and I said, you know, let's let's keep going. I mean, like, you know, let me to I for that show, I had actually written "Connective." We were trying to find a an idea for that show, how to string all those songs together. So we came up with a silly idea that it was basically a tribute to this to Deborah Abramson. This this world famous composer (laughs) and (laughs) and so we wrote sort of imaginary historical things anyway so i said let's keep going because this was really fun and uh, i i gave her my idea about what i thought we could write about and she said yes and then uh, amanda had had a couple songs in that show that which were also i thought really brilliant and so um she came on board we were really grateful and uh and you know, and ever since then, we've just like argued for like the last four years, fought, argued. You know, Nick came on board to referee <laughs> and <laughs> make some sense out of our uh, of the way things are going. But they are, they are fantastic, and uh, I'm I'm really excited for them, and I'm excited to that they were willing to do this with me because it's, they're it's really, really good.
6: Uh, kindly they say fighting, but yeah. <laughs> but it you got three writers extremely passionate about their ideas and what they're trying to communicate and talk. And and I think sometimes that that passion leads to fisticuffs. And I think yeah. that's great to have people that passionate about what they're doing. And and every idea is examined from so many viewpoints and how can we make this the best it can possibly be and stuff. So I think I'm working with three very brilliant um, writers and together they're Amazing. No, so, that's no.
5: all I have to say about the fighting aspect <laughs> of it. Yeah, Nick has thrown me out of the room a couple. He wears like a, that referee shirt, you know, like black and white. I have a little stretch, whistle. And he blows the whistle, and then I get thrown out of the game. It seems <laughs> to be, it's happened a few times.
0: Um, well, now, Nick, I know I know a lot of chips background. Unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of time to do my research. I was kind of knocked out with a cold the past couple of days, but I, I'm I'm guessing you've done a bit of stuff as a director as well.
6: Oh yeah, and I have actually a show opening in the West End in January, a Woody Guthrie piece that we premiered around, and I've done a lot of development on a lot of shows that have come and gone. Um, I was on the development portion of Civil War and Little Women and various other stuff. So I spend a lot of time developing. Uh, new musicals is what I'm really really passionate about is this end of the process I've done this will be my third nymph show Um, and I'm you know and and lots of I ran I was a artistic director at a regional theater for a short time and various things so but uh, working on new musicals has always been what's most interested me
0: and and chip you've Mm -hmm. done a lot of great work Uh, like I said I've, I've watched your performance in the PBS presentation of uh
5: into the woods far too many times to count <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, you know I was just that was just one of the obviously one of the great experiences of my life and and actually after the night we taped that show for great performances I went into my dressing room and the this is really a cool thing the light I, I have this weird superstition that I don't turn the light off in my dressing room but during a show I don't know why I can't explain that's okay who knows why. I, that's what I did I some people wear the same socks yeah, for the I, whole I, while, I, so. so I went back and the light was off and I thought what could that possibly mean I mean you know it was this amazing night of these you know great great audience and, and, the, and now the light is off in my dressing room what does that mean and I, I turned the light on and Sondheim was sitting there
1: and
5: <laughs> <laughs> he said he said to me it was like one of the it was just the perfect moment he said like he said, "I didn't know where else to go. I thought, I thought you would understand." <laughs> he said, "This was literally one of the greatest nights ever, you know." And he was sitting in my room. I think it was had also to do with the fact that it was the first room at the top of the steps, right. but but, he, <laughs> but that's where he was, and he had turned the light off. That's kind of Sonic. perfect. It's kind of perfect. Yeah. yeah. So that was a great thrill, and then of course, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be um, to be in the Bilfin uh, oeuvre. Is that the word and, <laughs> yes. uh, for, for all yes. those all those years and do every one of those shows and uh that was a great thrill and and that whole relationship between for me between bill finn and 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 james lapine and sondheim and ira weitzman link you know those guys those guys we were all started out together and they all got famous and i was lucky enough to go along for the ride
0: a lot of smart Shows, you know, you're, yeah. you're talking about in smart writers. I seem, I feel like I hear a little of that influence in the music too. Is that a conscious decision that you go towards, or you know, with like this show now, The History of War, or is that just kind of what you naturally?
5: Well, at some point, uh, Deborah and Amanda were both students at NYU and were students of Bill Finn, who was who teaches uh, in, in, right. in, the, in the master's program at NYU. And Nick Nick has also directed a yeah, time down directed there a lot of, the of the theses and things. Yeah, there. and so there, you know, there is a. Um, you, you know there's these are very bright people that are there at NYU and, and 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 bill has a big influence on them and uh it's the only program in the world that
6: that offers a, deg- a graduate degree in the writing of musical theater yeah. so uh, people come from all over the world to to study there and stuff it's a 2 year program and um it's amazing the writers they've turned out over the years. Yeah. You know. yeah. I mean,
5: you know, and I, I mean, some, I, I, w- whenever I was getting into an argument with my collaborators, I blamed it on Bill Finn. I mm-hmm. said, you know, I don't know what you're teaching there, but <laughs> like, where's, where's the course and like everybody just gets in the room and acts nice? I, you know, where's that, where's, where, when, what, when is that being taught? But, but, uh, he said, that's not a bad idea, not a bad idea. Maybe you want to come down and help out. He said, of course, that would sort of be an oxymoron having you teach, uh, how to get everybody to get along. <laughs> so,
0: we got another snippet here from the
6: show. Do you want to talk about this one a little bit? Uh, this is a char- this is Shadows and light. Shadows and light. Right. It's, a, it's a
5: beautiful, gorgeous song. Interesting enough that Hitler sings. Right. Um, right. And and uh, it's a lot. A lot of the show is about one of the big parts of the show is about narcissism. Uh, the need to have people look at you. Narcissism is a very big part of the show, and uh, this is a song uh, in a sense about that. And and it's it's Hitler singing.
6: And I want to say really quickly that, you know, when you're working on a new show, a big part of that is putting together uh, demo recordings of, of yeah. things and stuff. And you're, you're relying on the favors of, of really kindness friends. of dear friends to yeah. come in because they may not end up in the show, but they're going to lend their talent stuff to help you get your show on. So I want right. to mention Charlie. Yeah,
5: well, this is this is, you know, the great, great actor, Charlie Brady, great singer, and we're... So fortunate to have had him come and help us, and and you'll hear him at the beginning of this demo. All right, let's take a listen. Like so
7: many others, his hard-working brothers, this nobody did what he could. But while they were working, such evil was lurking beneath the pretension of good. The surge wasn't waning, in fact, it was gaining. The force wasn't destined to fold. But who would be willing to challenge top billing? That person would have to be bold. Perhaps I'm the control.
0: So, uh, The History of War is going to be going
6: on the 8th through the 16th at Nymph. And uh, what, what stage are you at right now?
5: with? Uh, with
6: we're we're in the middle of casting. I can tell you some of the cast so far. We have a couple more parts. Um, but we have Paul Kandel, who was nominated for a Tony for uh, Tommy, is doing it. Jason Kravitz, you know from The Practice. Well, just in
5: The Practice, like, this was unbelievable. He's he, playing Napoleon in our show. And he's perfect. Oh, my God. Him and his
6: he's brother were in Drowsy and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tim Gulan, <laughs> who did Lion King and Blood Brothers. Hitler. Is Hitler, yeah, um, two guys who just closed in South Pacific, Andrew Simonski and William Michaels, are right. coming in and playing...
5: Um, uh, Will Osama and, and Alexander the, the Great. great. And Michael D'Addario talked about Eric right. Poindexter. Eric is great. Eric's playing Idi Amin.
6: And, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, we, we love Idi Amin. Yeah. How can you not love Idi Amin? <laughs> and, um, and then we had two great young actors, Andrew P- Pandeleon right. and uh, Robbie Tam are coming in. And their kind of story exists in another realm in the show and I don't want to give Twitch away but it's really interesting how they work and filter through the show and then last of course is um, Herman Sabak who uh, was the engineer Miss Saigon on Broadway and he is Genghis Khan as only Genghis Khan can be so it's a great group and we have a few more to
5: we have a few more to
6: finish but we're almost there and we're working on, you know, what's the draft we go into rehearsal with, and, you know, we're
5: also... Nick we, Nick is uh, we're, we're, is cutting and pasting, and, and like yes. he, he kept me up all night last night mm-hmm. trying to figure out what... Chip, what this was song it. should really go over <laughs> here. <laughs> Not have, over here. We're having just a knockdown argument about one song placement, and and it's... But I'm, he buys me dinner at the end of it also. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay.
0: Oh, uh, uh, so I was thinking you were going to say that you bumped into a door this morning, but I see that it's something else entirely that's the cause of that big black eye.
6: Yes,
0: yes, yes, <laughs> yes, We don't want to talk about director abuse yeah. out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, again, it's the History of War, uh, the 8th through the 16th at Nymph. Um, you can find more information at uh, the nymph.org website and uh, the specific dates and times for your scheduling. And Chip Zion and Nick Corley, thanks again so much for coming in, and best of luck with your show. Thanks and, uh, for having us. Thanks. It was great. Appreciate it. Great to be here.
3: On the boards.
0: The tantalizing carrot of fame in the music business. Ned Massey was a prominent and is a fantastic musician on the brink of superstardom in the 80s (laughs) Uh, when things happened and life got in the way. Uh, Over the period of time, a lot of his experiences uh, turned into the new musical Blood Ties that he uh, wrote and also stars in. And we have Ned Massey here, along with director Scott C. Embler, here to talk about Blood Ties and, I'm sure, a bit about the story that... uh, and his life that inspired the show. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. You want to introduce yourselves so people can
3: connect the voice with the name? I'm uh, Ned Massey, I wrote the show. I'm Scott Embler, I'm directing the show. So first in a nutshell, tell us a
0: little bit what is Blood Ties about?
3: Um, Well, Blood Ties is indeed the the story of Ned Massey. um, And uh, Ned came from uh, St. Louis, uh, kind of a complicated family background, family telling him what he was going to do with his life and everything, and decided, no, I want to be a singer-songwriter, and came to New York to kind of make it in the music business. Um, And through some kind of cool accidents and kind of coming together of fate, uh, he got an audition with this guy named John Hammond. And John Hammond was called by Rolling Stone magazine the... Dean of Discovery? Is that the perfect quote? Dean of Discovery? Right That's from the CBS Morning News. Oh, sorry. CBS Morning News. Yeah, John Hammond was huge. He discovered Count Basie, Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, actually, it was Billie Holiday. Billy he Holland. passed on Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, Leonard Cohen, Bruce Springsteen, Aretha Franklin, Bob Dylan, and Ned Massey. Uh, signed Ned, and they were in the process of kind of recording Ned's first uh, album. And John actually had a stroke in the studio and uh, died a few weeks later so. The story is about kind of dealing, indeed, like you said, with the carrot of fame and kind of being proclaimed the next big thing. And how do you kind of repair and kind of bridge the distance between what you thought your life was going to be and what your life actually is? How do you kind of live with the expectation and kind of the hope and then the lost hope and all those types of things? And let's... Talk more like Ned's not right there. <laughs>
8: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I mean, further along those lines, it's also uh, you know, I, every one of us in the way we go through our lives, we end up defining ourselves for the better or for the worse, as we go through our lives, as to the things we are. you know, you are a fabulous radio program announcer, right? But what happens when... um, Fabulous. Fabulous, yes. (laughs) What happens when... What happens if the way you define yourself suddenly disappears and and what's left and what is the real you? And that's sort of what the process of this show is about. There's a lot of things that happened in my life, but I didn't want this show to be about those things. I didn't see any point in writing a show if it was just like me cataloging the things in my life. And so I, I, I wanted it to be about something... I didn't want it to be about something bigger than that. It was it was the way I was viewing these things was in it was in a it was in a bigger uh, scope and and uh, so that that's it. It's just the way we define ourselves and what and what's left when all that goes, you know. So. Uh, but hopefully
3: it's really funny and entertaining,
8: <laughs> and, and the chorus girls are knockouts,
3: let me tell you. Uh, there really, truly aren't any chorus girls. Uh, we do have Katie, Com- Katie Thompson, who is an amazing singer, though, so we'll be very happy, but hardly a chorus girl. Um, Katie's been in, uh, on our program a few times. Yeah, I know. Isn't she amazing? Uh, yeah. Just a great singer, and uh, we did her a— uh, she, She's
0: going to steal your thunder, Ned.
3: I know. Yeah, you know, you know. Uh, she's gonna kick his butt, but it's gonna be a good phrase it's gonna be a good phase. She actually could kick my butt, butt too. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we did a great reading with them uh, with Katie and most of our cast a few weeks ago, so it's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah, so. yeah
8: when when people auditioned, you know, we, we heard so many like great singers come through, but but Katie was the one person who who just, just she sounded like a rock star. Yeah. You know, so. She's so
0: I just love her. So Well, if I'm not mistaken, that's that's a guitar I see slung over your back there, Ned. Are you you willing to maybe perform a number from the show here? Why, certainly, you swab (laughs) devil. (laughs) (laughs) You want to tell us about this first song you're going to perform and how it fits in the show and such?
8: Sure. The first song is No Accidents, and it's... uh,
3: well, uh it's a, in the show itself actually Ned's going to sing it solo we'll here. It is actually kind of a love duet between uh Katie and Ned actually, between the uh, the character who Katie plays a character named Kate, which is incredibly confusing. Mm-hmm. Um but uh because Ned plays a character named Ned too. So all these names just It's all, I, I, d- it. I
8: just have a I have a really lousy memory. So,
3: uh, <laughs> everyone in the cast, everyone in the cast has to either keep their own name they have to be called Scott, <laughs> which makes things immensely easier. Yeah, indeed. So, um, but it's a love duet between our two leads, basically. No accidents. This All right, y'all tuned up? Sure. <laughs> okay, let's roll.
9: Hundred million accidents brought us here hundred million missteps speed us on our way with a hundred million coincidents that had to come before no I don't believe in accidents anymore it's like a hundred million molecules scattered out in space across a Hundred million miles together in one place. From the day that we were born, they were leading to a kiss. Oh, tell me what the chances are of this. Yeah, we are. Inescapably, inextricably, intertwined, caught up in the mystery. Someone explained to me how everything could be a hundred million accidents happening so perfectly. It just happened to be you and me. It's like a hundred million memories is all we really own hundred million moments we're together alone with a hundred million babies waiting down that road so let's hold each other tight and let's go Yeah, we are inescapably, inextricably, intertwined, caught up in the mystery. Someone explain to me how everything could be, a hundred million accidents happening so perfectly, inescapably, inextricably. And a twine caught up in the mystery Someone explained to me How everything could be A hundred million accidents Happening so perfectly Could just happen to be you and me yeah. Happening so perfectly With a hundred million coincidence That had to come before don't believe in accidents anymore. Here yeah, we are inescapably, inextricably, intertwined,
0: caught up in the mystery. Alright, that's great. before we uh you know put you on the spot and make you do another one, let's uh talk a little bit more about just kind of the backstory of interest. A lot of the people and it's maybe breaking a little bit out of the Broadway world, but so many people think that you just get signed to a record deal and that's it every you know your your life is made when you know the truth is that's kind of just the beginning and you know there's still so much that can happen and even still even nowadays with budget shrinking it's still like something like uh, 90% of people even who get signed still really you know don't have anything happen so what was what was your experience back in the eighties? You, know, you know, in the date, in,
8: in the in the eighties and in nineties, it was it was totally uh, a different world. Though I mean I mean, uh, you got signed, and and the obstacles you had to go over from there were uh, actually getting the album recorded without getting dropped, uh, mm-hmm. getting in the album on a release schedule without getting dropped. Uh, not having the label dump your album because there was someone else who was sort of similar they liked more that that was being released in the same year, uh, and then you had to fight for space in record stores. The non the, remember those things? <laughs> record stores, yeah. So um, I think the I think the back in the nineties, I think the eighties and nineties, it was like. Nobody ever even heard, literally, of like 95% of the releases.
0: You couldn't get played on the radio, you couldn't get in the record stores, and... And now nobody's heard of ninety-nine point nine percent of the releases because everybody can record. Everybody can record. <laughs> we we
8: we we brought down the barriers, but uh, to, to this, the flip side is that we've gotten rid of the filter, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so uh, you know, record labels brought about in many ways they are bringing about their own demise. But at the same time, they did provide a sort of valuable function in that they did provide a filter. Now there's no filter, and anybody can put music out on the internet. and It's very hard to find uh, what's good so it's it's a brand new world have you been jumping into the indie market at all or you know uh when the last label I was on went out of business about uh ten years ago i I basically uh, I released a few albums and did the folk circuit and was doing really well on that, but then uh started working on this show and so I got back into acting to try and get my chops back up and uh and and do the things I needed to do for the show, which necessitated me cutting out touring, you know, because I, I was fortunate enough to get a lot of work acting, and um, like I said, you know, you just you, you book tours on the acoustic circuit mm-hmm. a you know, year, year and a half in advance.
0: <laughs> so, really planning things in advance there. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when you, as I said, John Hammond had a, a stroke and died in the middle of your project, at that time, what what did that mean to you? Did you did you did you think that it was going to all fall apart at that point with the no i mean at that time um because it is so much that sometimes it is one person whether it's the a and r guy or you know somebody else a producer it is like kind of one person really being behind you and when you absolutely and 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 uh i just had this
8: you know you might call it a irrational belief that it was going to work out uh but you know, I mean, at the time, I had not only John Hammond as my producer and my AR and r guy, but, uh, but Bill Graham was going to be my manager,
3: you know. Uh, uh, Bill Graham, the producer yeah. of Live Aid and uh, the Fillmore and uh, the original Woodstock and the manager of The Grateful Dead and Jens Joplin. And, I mean, kind of legendary producer so, and so, manager. So that was,
8: uh, you know, I had lots of stuff going on. There was lots of press and stuff, and... Uh, When Mr. Hammond had his stroke, uh, he was able to come back to work briefly for about after about six months, but then he had a relapse. So it was it's kind of a long drawn drawn out uh, illness for him. Uh, But I kept believing that uh, something would come out of it. Well, and something
0: has something has. (laughs) (laughs) You want to want to tune up your guitar and play another song from the show here for us?
8: Yeah. Yeah. And this is uh, harkens back to what I was saying earlier about, uh, you know, what's when everything you define yourself as disappears, what's left. And that's kind of what this song is about.
0: Again, thanks so much for that. It's always nice to have uh, something live here in the studio rather than just uh, plugging in the CD player and,
3: and letting it rip. And that one was called "Open Arms." I don't think we actually said the title, so <laughs> maybe, maybe you could probably figure it out from hearing it. But still. So you're probably pretty early in the the rehearsal process, or have you started
0: rehearsals yet? Now for him, uh, we
3: always tape these interviews in advance. Yeah, so. no, we start on uh, the 31st. Uh, we're uh, TBG on 36th Street. And the festival starts on the 27th, uh, Monday the 27th, and we uh, open on Tuesday the 28th. So we're the very, very first week are, of the Are festival. there actually shows on the 27th, or is it just like a uh, no, no, grand one show. opening night? No, there's one show, uh, one show the night before us. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> so we're early in the festival at this point. So,
0: so Scott, well, just as a kind of a quick thing, what do you anticipate are your challenges as a a creative entity directing the show.
3: Uh, well, not exhausting Ned is actually a good, uh, you know, something that I'm aiming to do. I want to keep him kind of, you know, uh, we've done some uh, some kind of cold readings and kind of been working through the process. We did a 29-hour reading, then uh, went up to kind of do a writer's retreat up in Massachusetts for five days where, I didn't leave, I left the house once actually for those five days and we wrote, uh, I, I won't take any writing credit, but we worked on three different drafts, basically Ned, I kind of chained him in a room and made him kind of slave over, We're kind of doing rewrites. Um, uh, so that was kind of our process to try and kind of take care of the piece for Ned as a writer. But now, you know, we need to let him kind of get it up on its feet and kind of try what it's like as an actor. So. I think the challenge will be trying to continue to keep it moving as a piece in development, because that's what this is. Um, And just, again, you know, just trying to not exhaust Ned so that we can kind of... Who is the the understudy if you drive him into the ground? I actually do have an understudy. (laughs) Nymph rarely has an understudy, but I I, we do have an understudy. His name is Christopher Sutton, actually. But, uh, yes, we have planned for potentially Scott exhausting his actor. But, yeah, so, you know, and we're actually going to use Christopher uh, just for some runs and stuff, basically, so that Ned can step out as a writer and see kind of the process so Ah, that he's not always in it. Yeah, because a lot of the—we did a lot of table reads and stuff in my living room. um, And for the first four—first three times we did that, Ned didn't read the role of Ned. I had people—different people kind of— come in and do it just so that he could sit out as a writer so we've been working on it the most interesting being the lithuanian yodeler i <laughs> <We laughs> thought know, that was fascinating i have a huge connection of yodeler friends. <laughs> and, I, and i have stolen a lot from them
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you didn't let any of that shine through on the performances I mean, no no you... no
3: not on those songs it's really just in the line readings <laughs> you, you have to pay to come see the yodeling in the show i'm sorry you know nothing promotional so all right, so uh, Blood Ties is uh, the twenty eighth through
0: of September through October sixth. Um, you have your own website as well, mm-hmm. I believe. What's that? Bloodtiesthemusical.com. dot com. Amazing. How did you come up with that website name? <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have an incredible production team. We have five meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, best of luck uh, sounds fascinating and uh glad to see you still making music and uh, creating art and, and well, art same being to you
8: very nice studio and I, I understand you do great work here
0: too so well, thank, thank you. you so much for having us okay
3: on the boards
0: in this type of economy, it always happens. you lose your job, you get fired, and you go out to write the great novel, the great film the great album, or the great musical based on your getting fired. Indeed. And that is I Got Fired, which is subtitled A a Semi-Autobiographical Sort of True Revenge Musical. And we've got writer, composer, lyricist, actor Keith Varney here with us to talk about his getting fired and the musical that results. How how are you doing?
10: (laughs) I'm doing great. Well, Michael, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This is a... uh, it's it's just wonderful to be here and uh, I, I really enjoy your show. <laughs> All
0: right. I understand too just to wear another little plug. You've got a, a theater podcast of your own as well.
10: I do. I do. We run the uh, the Follow Spot podcast, the uh, on followspotpodcast.com or also on iTunes. So, I feel your pain here as a fellow podcast host.
0: <laughs> well, now you know as a revenge musical, not a great revenge considering nobody really sees musicals. <laughs> <laughs> How many people from your office are going to catch this? You know, it's, it's funny. I mean, the,
10: the, the show is sort of broken down. I mean, everybody in the show is based in some level on somebody real. And everything that happens in the show is based on some level uh, on, on on actual things that happened. So, uh, and I will preface this by saying it's full of lies and we're not claiming that any of us is the truth. Please don't sue us. Um, that will happen when it's touring in eight
0: countries and making a billion dollars.
10: So. Yeah, seriously. I mean... Uh, so, you know, in terms of how many people in the actual office will see the show, there's actually a subset of the people that I worked with who are will see the show, who are on board with the show and are excited about the show, including my old boss, Kathy, who left, um, who actually will be using their names in the show. So the characters in the show will be based on them. So uh, the show sort of breaks down to people who were uh, the good guys in the office, who are on board with the show, will be there. And then, of course, the person who fired me, whose, n- whose name has been changed and character has been changed. Uh, but that is the person who the revenge is uh, purportedly to be taken out on.
0: So... No, a lot of musicals through a lot of development. So how, how long has this project been in the works? I guess how long since you got fired? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I, I got
10: fired on May sixth, two 2008. Um, and uh, I, so I started writing the show within two hours of, of being fired. I, I, I took the subway home, and I was all mad, and I did two things. One is I, I, I bought a copy of Grand Theft Auto 4. Uh, to take out some rage issues, and then I sat down at the piano and I wrote the opening number. Um, I got fired um, and uh, a couple days after that, I wrote the sort of like the closing song, um, you know not necessarily thinking about it that there was going to be a musical, it was just sort of me working stuff out um, you know as, as going through that experience. Um, you know, but it kept sort of kicking around, and uh, uh, my best friend, Devin Goffman, who was working with me at the time, who was also an actor, and, you know, we sort of talked about, um, you know, hey, this would be a great idea for a musical. So um, starting about a year ago in October, November of last year, I actually sat down and started writing the book um, and turned this into an actual musical um, about the experience.
0: So, had you done musical theater writing before this, or, or was getting fired the impetus to turn into <laughs> a musical theater composer and use your unemployment money? Well, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I have been, I've been writing
10: um, for a while. I have, I have a couple other shows that have been at various stages of production. We've had some readings, that kind of stuff. Um, this is the first show that I've sort of taken to this level, to this level of completion, where we'll actually have a show with sets and lights and costumes and all that jazz. Um, But it's actually uh, one of the stories within the show I got fired is me sort of going from, you know, actor who sort of dabbles in writing to actually like, hey, this is what I do. This is sort of who I am. So um, part of the show is sort of telling the story of my transition, um, you know, from, uh, you know, from someone who sort of dabbled as a hobby just for fun into someone like, hey, you know what? This is my career. This is who I am. This is what I do.
0: On a weird note, the way your publicist pitched the show to me was rather unfortunate because he has a few shows he's trying to schedule, and the email I got was just "I got fired. Talk later." And I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm like Joe,
7: poor Joe. I, you know, I I feel like that could work though. I mean. I mean, you know,
10: know, we we have T-shirts that just say I got fired on the front. And, and, you know, it obviously people you, you say I got fired. People people pay attention. So perhaps our show will be better served with less of me jabbering about the show and just like leaving it at the title and see what happens.
0: Well, speaking of that, do you want to let us hear the title song from your show?
10: Absolutely. Uh, this uh, this song is "I Got Fired," which is the uh, the opening of the show, um, which sort of starts at the moment that I got fired, um, and uh, everybody joins in. And once the song's done, we start telling the story from the beginning, saying that we tell the story of how I reached
7: that moment.
0: All right, let's take a listen.
7: Security is at the door, waiting for my ID. Everyone on the floor sees me turning in my key. It's a ritual humiliation that bitch has been waiting for. Locked out of my hard drive. My passwords don't work. From the moment I arrived, I have felt like a jerk. After the six years that I've been. crazy place They say this too shall pass and I'll exit with some grace I knew this day was coming but what the hell do I do now so I feel like a putz but I'll go on my way holy shit this is nuts Mario
0: So now again, you're writing music, book, lyrics, and you're acting in the show. I, I did that once in college, <laughs> al- although I co wrote, I was co writing the book, but I did everything else. And I found getting on stage and acting to be just a nightmare. I was worried about everybody else's role, not my own. I had no idea what. How How do you keep perspective on the show?
10: Well, I mean, uh, two things. Uh, one is I, you know. Wearing all these hats, I mean, I'm just trying to be as self-indulgent as possible uh, in, in, in writing this show. No, I mean, it, it actually is, um, it, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, when you look at a show where the same guy wrote the book, the music, and the lyrics, and especially if he's acting in it as well, you know... My first reaction is, ooh, that's such a bad idea. I mean, this person is never going to
0: have an idea. <laughs> is that what you're going on board? You're telling you're telling the audience, ooh, I'm, I'm that's tell- a bad idea.
10: Well, you know, it's it's,
0: it's funny. <laughs> yeah.
10: we, uh, at at Nymph, we had this uh, the next link weekend where we we, we had some uh, you know panels and talkbacks and 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 super producer David Stone came in and gave us some talks and talked for a while. And I sort of raised. So, my hand. Does
0: he have a cape now?
10: He does. I, okay, he does. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was kind of funny. Like when he entered the room, there was like smoke and like <laughs> lights and like lasers. I, I I thought it was a little. Awesome ostentatious, but it was cool. Um, So anyway, so I asked him, I've raised my hand, I said, okay, so he's talked about all the things he likes about shows, stuff he's he's looking for, and I asked him, "All right, so what is the one thing that would turn you off about a show? Like, what's the thing you said, like, that's not a good idea, and he looked me right in the eye and said, well, pretty much any show where the same guy writes the book, the music, and the lyrics. So I know already that he doesn't like the show. (laughs) 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 But, uh, what I will say is, is what's keeping this show, hopefully, from being uh, self-indulgent nonsense, is that I have brought on a whole bunch of people who are smarter than me, better than me, and who will tell me the truth um, that I can trust and help me guide this show, uh, you know, in, into something better than it would be just by myself. So I've, uh, uh, you know, our, our director Steve Bebout. Um, who is he's Jerry Zach's associate? He's associate on Adam's family that kind of stuff. He is probably the best dramaturg I've ever worked with in my life, and and so uh, you know we we have we have gone through the script, every line, every note, and really focused on telling a story, you know. And it's 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 not just about just not just about me and about getting my revenge. It's like it's not really I mean the, don't tell anybody, mm-hmm. but it's not really about revenge you know it's it 's really a story of uh, uh, what it 's like to work you know in that office environment and that sort of that nine to five and and finding a way to to still be who you are in sort of that uh, corporatized environment um, so uh, so thankfully um, with all of these people surrounding me these incredibly talented people who can sort of help guide this and um you know, I, I, have, I have a whole bunch of I, I call my collaboration committee that uh, dear friends of mine who are writers, who are actors, you know, we'll, we'll get together and we'll, we'll read the show. And then uh, we will we will talk about it and give, they'll give their suggestion for a couple of hours. And then I will steal their ideas and take all the credit for it. Um, that's that's pretty much how I've how I've
0: worked with this show. All right. Well, we want to take a listen to a second uh, demo from this show? Please,
10: please. All uh, right. This is a song uh, that I actually don't get to sing in this show, which I'm sad. Uh, but this is for the character of Steven, uh, who will be played by Devin Goffman, uh, who, uh, who went through this experience with me. Um, it's a song called On My Way. And it's, a, and it's, it's basically him sort of telling, um, from his perspective, what it's like to sort of be the office monkey who doesn't ever get the respect he deserves.
7: All right, let's take a listen. I hear the fax machine as I sip caffeine, as I wait for five o'clock. One more email, finish one last detail, then I'm headed down the block. I turn off my screen, finish my routine, grab my coat top off the floor. And then it's 5.01 and the day is done and I'm walking out that door. Then I'm headed on my way I'm headed on my way I'm gone until tomorrow And now the night is mine I walk up the street on the cold concrete, and I wonder why I've stayed. I've worked hard for years, for less than my peers, and I start to feel betrayed. Cause I'm far too old to have my life controlled by a boss who doesn't care. If I ask for more, she'd just ignore what I deserve and what is fair. She Just say, sorry, Stephen, it's just not in the budget Did you get the mail? The harder I work, the less she seems to notice And the more I fail, just push the cart Drop the package off, put the posters up Don't waste your time Wanting more
0: You get underway with everything, and uh, like we tape these in advance, of course. So, have you started rehearsals yet? We start rehearsals next week. Okay. So, what has been the biggest challenges just in, in you know, the pre-rehearsal stage for you?
10: Um. Well, basically, um, there are two main challenges: one, fundraising, and two, casting. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're we're getting there on both ends, and it's 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 all very exciting. Um, you know, there's there's just when you're mounting your own show and when you do a in production you're pretty much self-producing a full-on musical um, and so there's there's a lot of challenges associated with that I mean you know I, I have a you know, wonderful producing team you know but it's basically just sort of keeping track of 500 different things at once um, you know but I will say it's tremendously exciting and I've had a ton of support you know, from from everybody, from you know, from friends, from family, from my collaborators uh, working on the show. It's 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 been really exciting.
0: And uh, what do you expect to be the biggest challenges going forward in the rehearsals?
10: Um. Basically, uh, you know, I I think a lot of it is going to be uh, getting the show as tight as we can without. Uh, hardly with, with, with hardly any tech time. <laughs> we pretty much tech and open in the same day, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so there's there's going to be a lot of setography and and uh, and all that kind of jazz. But also, I mean, let's face it: a Nymph show is basically one big audition. Like it's basically the show's audition for big kid producers and all that kind of stuff, with, with the idea of getting it produced commercially um, at at some point. So our challenge. Outside of making the show good, or as good as it possibly can be, you know, is then getting people to see it um, and and trying to help it have a life once this production is done. That and uh trying to remember all of my lines, which <laughs> is the is the one part that terrifies me more than anything else, is is playing myself in this show and 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 realizing how much I have to memorize and not screw up my own show with my with my <laughs> with my acting and singing. So, uh, you know, if it turns out, uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with line, I'm just going to start cutting stuff.
0: All right. So the show, um, I Got Fired, starts uh, October 1st and runs through October 10th and all the various times and the festival schedules can be found at, uh, do you have your own website? We have show? our
10: own website. It is i igotfiredmusical.com um, where you can uh, go there and hear songs from the show. You can see what's going on news-wise. We have all sorts of fun little uh, promotional things that we're doing. Um, you can also go to nymph.org uh, to buy tickets. Uh, tickets are on sale now. They're going quickly. Um, so nymph.org slash fired. Um, So, yeah, we're all over the web. You're going to be real sick of us soon, I promise.
0: All right. Well, thanks for stopping in, Keith, and best of luck with your show. And uh, hopefully you get a job soon.
10: Michael, it's been a pleasure. (laughs) Thanks
0: so much. Curtain Call. Well, that wraps up our season premiere, Volume 211 of uh, Broadway Bullet. Remember to find out more about all these shows. You can go to nymph.org or you can visit our website, broadwaybullet.com. we got links everywhere. So uh, just check out the, the information for Podcast Volume 411. We'll be back as soon as we got another uh, four shows in the bag here. And uh, once again, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. All I wouldn't want it. After all. I mean, we do it all. You know, we don't, we don't back away from anything. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere. But most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act. Even as freshmen, designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments. Even private loans if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, go to BroadwayBullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.